There you are. Um, so first on, on the scenarios and then on the way the Netherlands is dealing with it and some global cost estimate. Of course, you all know the IPCC temperature rise scenarios. They go up from about 2 to 6 degrees. Uh, and they also, uh, IPCC published sea level rise scenarios. Uh, which did not fully take into account some of the unknowns, then unknowns, uh, future of the Greenland ice sheet and the Antarctic ice sheet. But since the IPCC report, quite a lot of work has been done. And here I show an even incomplete, but a summary as good as possible on what has been uh, developed since IPCC. Here on the horizontal axis you see measurements and then up to 2300 uh, some uh, scenario work and on the vertical axis you see the rise of sea in sea level in centimeters uh, and you see the various sources. So IPCC published its results in 2007 saying it could be 18 to 59 centimeters plus something, as it said in the report, plus an unknown component of the melting of ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica. But the something was not specified in, uh, quantitatively. A little bit after, or already before that, the Met Office in the Netherlands had made a scenario taking a little bit of melting of Greenland into account. And also in 2007, Stefan Ramsdorf, who will talk uh, shortly after me, he published in 2007 uh, uh, scenarios of up to 1 meter 40, where he had calibrated from earlier relations between temperature and sea level rise. Uh, and since then he has worked on it and coming up with even higher numbers, which he will uh, present to us uh, in the next speech. The Delta Vision report in California um, took uh, Stefan Ramsdorf's work as a basis and they made plans for California Bay uh, where they used scenarios from 40 to 1 meter 40. In 2100 this is. Eh? Then there was time for the Delta Committee. In the Netherlands of course there's concern about sea level rise and uh, what to do with it. And there were quite a few plans to develop islands in the North Sea and to do all kinds of fancy things. Um, that the cabinet thought it right to, to point a cabinet committee looking into the future of the Netherlands, whether we would have to move to Germany or could expand in the North Sea. That was roughly the question and how to deal with sea level rise. And with an international group of about 20 scientists, we developed scenarios and we came up uh, with a, a, an upper end scenarios between 55 and centimeters and one meter ten for global sea level rise. And this was based on a four to six degrees global temperature rise scenario. This was for 2100 and for 2200 we came up with one meter fifty to three meter fifty. In the meantime Pfeffer, Bill Pfeffer, published his results and he calculated how much ice is there available around Greenland and Antarctica that could float rather rapidly into the oceans and he came up with a best estimate of about 80 centimeters global sea level rise in 2100 but an upper estimate of two meters. 
And then the German Advisory Committee, um, a bit scared, I think, of predictions for the next 100 years, but they were rather confident on predicting for 2300. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure it must have been uh, scientifically and politically very tense in Germany, but they came up with 2300 with the scenario three to five meters, which of course puts the mark on the wall. Why all this fuss since IPCC? Well, it's because there were measurements now available uh, on the melt of the edges, the glaciers around Greenland, that through gravity would float in the ocean rather uh, easily, but are stabilized because it's too cold to move, or they move only slowly, but they were suddenly speeding up. And uh, you can see this was, well, in the period that the publications were not yet ready for IPCC, and we see it speeding up to about 250 uh, gigatons per year, which is uh, 350 is about one millimeter per year. So it's not so fast yet, but the scary thing, at least also from a societal point of view, is that it, it is accelerating. And these data were confirmed in a, a pre-article in Nature this week by the uh, UK Antarctic Survey, where they have measured, uh, not just with radar, but with other um, satellite instruments and have confirmed this acceleration of the melt uh, of ice around Greenland and equally around Antarctica. And in Antarctica, there is this old story. It's already in the 80s. I remember in the 80s, I attended a conference in Washington in 83. And it was predicted that global sea level rise would rise by about, uh, global sea level would rise by about five meters within 100 years. Uh, those were the studies of Mercer and others then. And still this studies, this type, this, this uh, scientific uh, thing is still on the table. How fast could this happen? And uh, also in Antarctica, we now see that there is an acceleration of melt around the edges. Uh, and this again is also confirmed by this uh, Antarctic survey publication of uh, this week. Uh, the Antarctic survey even found places where the, the level of the ice is going down by about nine meters per year. And of course, when it's lower, it catches more sun again. And when it catches more sun again, it melts faster. So this is this acceleration thing, which, uh, which is a, a nonlinear process. And there is lots of scientific debate in the community among the glaciologists that, uh, well, you know, this may be a temporary phenomenon and it could stop again because of local climate change, but it could also be the start of a phenomenon which we have seen earlier. And that's this picture. This is of Roland paleoclimatologists. They have increasingly studied now what happened in the previous interglacial. And on the top horizontal axis, you see the age from now. 122 means 122,000 years ago. That was a warm period was about two degrees warmer than it is today, or one and a half degree. And on the uh, vertical axis, you see the level of the sea. Zero means modern sea level, that's sea level of today, global average sea level today. And they show that at a point in time, there at, uh, at 122, it was about 10 meters higher than it is today while the temperature was about two degrees warmer. 
well, interesting. But what's more interesting is even the rate of sea level rise during that warm period. And the rate of sea level rise, uh, which is the gradient, there were times that it was rising with about 2.5, and you see that the axis, centimeter per year, which means two and a half meter per century. That's very rapidly. And so what we now see happening in Greenland and Antarctica could be a temporary phenomenon, local climate, but it could also be the start of what we've seen 122,000 years ago. And if that's the case, the glaciologist of this Antarctic survey, but also of uh, Princeton and um, at Utrecht University, they say once this ice is moving, it is more or less temperature independent. Once it's on the move, it is like a tipping point, it just reinforces itself. And that, of course, is the difficult thing to explain to policymakers. Even if you reduce all the emissions in the world, once this has started, it may be unstoppable. Which is an, an interesting thing for scientists, but a, a very complicated message in society. So usually I, I hesitate to say so, but it, it is a very important implication of what has happened, what we see that happened in the past. Uh, now, what is the state of science on this issue? And let me try, because of course this is a bit subjective. Which scientists do you quote? Which scientists do you take in? And here I have, based on some IPCC, Gregory and Herbert, Lenten, and uh, Hansen, the NASA scientists, and others. And if you see these publications, I personally conclude on the basis of this information that beyond two degrees, global average temperature rise, the probability of Greenland ice sheet disintegration is 50% or more. So already beyond one degree, this is starting. But beyond two, it's 50% or more. And the Greenland ice sheet disintegration, and this is more hard science, will result in a global average sea level rise of about seven meters. And the time frame, well, anybody's guess is too rough, but it's uh, about 300 to about 1,000 years is the best guess also interpreting these uh, paleo data. It takes time to get started. But beware, and this is an interesting thing which is known to very few people yet, there are gravity effects. Gravity effects is the Greenland ice sheet is about three kilometers high, and as this is a body of mass, it attracts the water body of mass. So there is an attraction between the water, ocean water in the northern hemisphere around Greenland and the body of ice. If it melts at Greenland, the sea level close to Greenland will probably drop because there is less attraction. And this extends even to the North Sea. So when Greenland melts and the average sea level rise would be about seven meters, then we expect that the rise in the North Sea would only be two to three meters and the rest of the water would be more on the southern hemisphere. With Antarctica, and I'll come to that, it's the other way around. The geologists are still trying to, to, to get better grips on these uh, results, but uh, it's, it's rather straightforward geological science. Then when we go to 
Antarctica and in particular the West Antarctic ice sheet, but not only there. On the other side of Antarctica there is also uh, acceleration of glacier melting. There the scientific literature is a little more prudent. It says between 2 to 3 degrees or maybe between 2 and 4 degrees global average temperature rise. The West Antarctic ice sheet is expected to start disintegrating <coughs> and this would lead to a global average rise in sea level yeah, some five meters. There is a publication that says maybe it's only four or maybe it's seven. Um, I mean, you should take a give and take a little bit on these data. And there also the period would be some, it's between centuries and a millennium. And there again, beware, the gravitational effects would lead to a less than average rise around Antarctica, but more than average rise in the North Sea or say in, uh, in the Northern Atlantic. And again, for the ones who want, you can just Google uh, Kriegler Oppenheimer Fawn. He is from the Antarctic Survey, where you find the details of, of this literature. Now, where does the water come from? It comes from a number of sources. Uh, thermal expansion, you know, hotter water just expands. And in 2100, this could be anywhere between 10 and 50 centimeters. The small glaciers. The Antarctic ice sheet, this century still relatively low, and the Greenland ice sheet because it just takes time to, to speed up there, and a bit of terrestrial water storage. And if you consider these sources as independent sources, then you can, uh, uh, by, by averaging and standard deviation and so forth, you, be, you, you end up with this 0.6 to 1.1 degree in 2100, uh, meter in 2100. And this is well documented uh, in, um, in the scientific report was, that was made by these 17 scientists for the Dutch Delta Committee. If we look at 2200, this expansion continues, 40 centimeters to 1 meter 50. The small glaciers are almost exhausted by then, so they have a, a, only 10 to 30 centimeters, and that's the Alps and the... Uh, the glaciers elsewhere in the world. Antarctic ice sheet is stepping up and so is Greenland. So in the end, this major sea level rise, the big sources are Antarctica, Greenland and ongoing expansion. But for low-lying areas, you know, sea level rise, maybe it's the least to worry about. It goes slow, you can see it coming and you can take your measures. The really tricky thing is that low-lying areas are mainly threatened by storm surges and hurricanes. And it's very difficult to, to introduce in society this risk concept that there may be a one in a hundred a year or one in a thousand a year that this hurricane strikes. And of course, since the Netherlands is uh, below sea level, we have done extensive studies on this. And let me explain this, this figure. And it, it holds with slightly different numbers also for hurricanes and typhoons. But this is the North Sea storm surge as it would hit the Netherlands coast. And all the blue, <coughs> red and black dots are observations over the last uh, uh, 120 years. And the right hand side is extrapolation based on uh, a Gumbel science, or Gumbel uh, statistics. When it says return period, you know, one in 10 years you would have an almost two meter 
surge on top of the tide, on top of the sea level. And one in a hundred years, you would have two and a half meter. One in a thousand years, it could be anywhere between two and four meters. One in 10,000 years, it could be between two and five meters. So the North Sea and the same holds for the UK. Is the risk is mainly when it's pushed up by these storms, and these storms are rather unpredictable. But they have statistics, and on the horizontal axis, you see that the observations really fit a Gumbel distribution. And if you extrapolate it, you can, you can do your risk management. Then on a peak river discharge, that's an additional contribution to the vulnerability of deltas. For the River Rhine, we predict that, or predict, we project with the models we have available in 2100, about a 30% increase of peak river discharge. And this would come to the Netherlands if Germany would build dikes. If not, it would flow mainly into Germany. Uh, then the cost, because this is, of course, interesting. The present cost, and I take now the example of the Netherlands, of water management, including coastal protection, um, is about a thousand million, so one billion euro per year, and this is equal to only 0.2% of GDP. So in the Netherlands, we're happy to live so close to the sea, and this 0.2% of GDP, we can easily afford to, main, to keep living in this uh, area. With climate change, we expect this to double, at least for one meter sea level rise. And then it would be 0.4% of GDP. And the climate change would cost us about 1 billion euro per year. And this is well documented and well calculated. This is not just a ballpark figure. About 1 billion. Starting in 2020, we would invest an additional 1 billion per year, provided these scenarios that we work with come true with sea level rise. And then a first order estimate of global cost of maintaining, and I, I'm not looking at the cost of damage, I would just look at the cost of protect, keeping the same uh, level of safety. And these two are equal, you know, if you have an average annual damage, that's the same figure as that you can afford to pay premium or raise your dikes. So the cost, the impact of climate change, I assume to be equal as, as the investments you could economically justify put into adaptation. And for the globe, I would estimate that it would cost in the order of uh, 50,000 million euros per year, so 50 billion a year, say 2020 onwards, when these scenarios come true. Then for the Netherlands, what can we do? We could expand into the North Sea, technically quite feasible and doable, but ecologically it could well be a disaster. We could close our coast completely, defend within existing uh, boundaries, but the river water would have a hard time to run into the North Sea and we would get also ecological problems. And the Delta Committee has chosen for this option, so keeping all the estuaries open, but we would have to protect all our river embankments then, which we are planning to do now. And of course the third option would be this one, which is not considered because this 0.4% of GDP we'd be happy to pay to stay to live there. Then we could heighten our existing dikes. We could make smaller dike rings to protect cities, like a cities, uh, say, in the Middle Ages, each protects its own uh, territory. 
we could heighten the land. I mean, there is enough sand in the North Sea if we can negotiate with the UK to heighten the entire <laughs> Netherlands. <laughs> well, they may need it here, but I think we're, if we're the first one to make a proposal. But technically, you know, this could even be done, and it, of course, it, it gives you a mess in spatial planning. But, uh, but once we saw this, we said, well, maybe we should strengthen our existing dikes and make them much wider make them inherently safe, that they can never break through. At maximum, they could overrun for a few hours during high tide, during storm surge, or during peak river. And we could start living on it and use the space. And I think that's what's going to happen, irrespective of the scientific community. But this is the most logic thing the Dutch would precede even in the next generation. And this can be done by beach nourishment. At some places, we could let the sea come in and make a protection a little more inward because it would be too, diff too costly to maintain some of it and we would create additional marsh area. And this is done, we could make an offensive plan where there are cities just building into the sea. Brackish agriculture, well, and this may be, well be our future and to some extent it's the present, you know. These are things that are being built and have been built, even floating greenhouses that produce energy. Conclusions. Beyond a one to two degrees, and I, now I put even in one because we see it happen, the global temperature rise, there is an increasing risk of disintegration of Greenland and Antarctica ice sheets. And this would lead to a global rise in sea level of about one to two meters. And I take very rough figures now. And I know Stefan is going to show us the two meters in the next speech. In 2100 and two to four meters in 2200 and beyond four meters in 2300. Very important is the interaction of sea level rise with increased river peak discharge and changes in storm surges, hurricanes and typhoons due to climate change. This really is what makes the risks. And subsidence, I didn't mention it, but there is a very interesting publication this week in Nature, I believe, on uh, sinking deltas. You know, in, uh, in Jakarta there are areas that sink about thrice as three times as fast as the sea level would ever rise, and the same in Bangkok. Subsidence is a major fact. Final conclusion, a rough estimate of global average annual cost, which more or less equals economic justified annual average investment, would be about 50 billion if we take this one meter sea level rise scenario. A year, eh, it is. And then, uh, there are a number of global initiatives now in co cooperating on all these delta areas. There is the Delta Alliance Initiative to be further discussed in Copenhagen that would link low-lying deltas on a scientific level, but maybe also on a policy level, but there's a minimum on a scientific level. There is a WWF initiative of an estuary alliance to make sure that not all countries would put in steel and concrete but keep uh, these, these salt marshes as a natural buffer. Connecting Delta Cities Initiative exists. It's part of the Clinton Initiative. And of course, there is the good old alliance of small island nations. And they all are concerned about sea level rise and the implications for the vulnerability of people. So far my presentation. Thank you.